Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Corn and Sausage Roast this Saturday, July 29th. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Eight minutes after five o'clock here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Of course, we are streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. There is one camera in the studio. Unfortunately, it is pointing at me on the Twitch app. So, hello, friends. We need a second camera now. We need a sponsor of a second camera because, my goodness, I got to get the right theme song going here. There we go. It is great to have back on the program. My longtime co-host, Eric Hansen, now the editor of InsideIndieSports.com. If you've listened to this program for any amount of time, you probably have run across Eric and I co-hosting this program for about nine years. Well, today I'm so happy to look over my six monitors, (laughs) and there's my good friend, Eric Hansen, it is wonderful to see you, and, and welcome to our new studios, our, our new abode. I'm digging being in the new studios, and I really love the new promo. I don't know who to pay off for that, but uh, maybe my mom was up to that and put you guys up to that nice promo of return. But yeah, it's great to be back, ready to talk some Notre Dame football. I think you have made, it's a reboot, a cool thing to say. That's like now a hip thing. After the last month, I feel like I need to say that all the time. It's a reboot. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll check with my grandkids because they kind of have that meter of whether my humor is dad humor, even though I'm a granddad, the dad humor thing. So they let me know. Absolutely. Well, before we talk Notre Dame football, let's establish this because the last time you were with me on the program, you were at the South Bend Tribune, and a right. lot has changed 
since then. I referred to you as the editor of InsideIndieSports.com. Why don't you give a quick synopsis of what you're doing now and what that company's all about? Sure. So if you loved reading the South Bend Tribune sports page and you loved the Notre Dame coverage, well, Tyler James, who was part of that, and me, we are now part of the Rivals Network. So Inside ND Sports is all about Notre Dame sports. No Mishawaka City Council meetings, although those could be entertaining. (laughs) Um, But uh, so, and we are a premium site, although we have a lot of free content. Um, But we love for people to sign up and and, uh, have the premium content. We also do a podcast. We do a YouTube show. Uh, We have all kinds of content. We have a full-time recruiting writer. His name is Charleston Bowles. So he's the Carter (laughs) Carls of our operation. Um, And so go to InsideNDSports.com, check us out. And if you have any questions, you can email me or telepathically send them to me. Uh, Or Do we take calls on the show anymore? You know, since we don't have a producer anymore, we really haven't taken any phone calls. So we'd have to hope that. A, the person was calling the radio station, and B, they actually want to talk sports. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they might be calling some other service. Who knows? But, yeah. So, sounds good. But, um, you know, we are going to be kind of partners with WSBT. And, um, you know, if you're thinking about subscribing, we're going to have a special coming up here very soon. So, And we'll announce it on the air, especially for WSBT listeners. Outstanding. Ready to get going? I'm ready. Let's talk some football because today was day number one for Notre Dame football fall practice. Marcus Freeman starting his second go-around as head coach of the Fighting Irish. The good news is you got the roster today. There were no surprises. That's always a good start to day one of fall camp. And really only one injury to talk about, the freshman receiver K.K. Smith. Shoulder surgery over the summer. Probably won't see him for a couple of months. Otherwise, you know, there's still some people that are working their way back into playing shape, but looks like the Irish are ready to go in this 2023 campaign. So let me just ask you a a long-winded probably answer and maybe just give me the shorter version. As you think about this football team, can you offer me a quick thought on your expectations of what this season might be about you know there's those certain Notre Dame fans that it's 12 and 0 win the national championship yeah. or bust but I'm just looking for more of a a realistic unless that's your expectation for this year well my realistic expectation is when you make that prediction usually you can zero in on a couple of win totals that are next to each other like nine wins ten wins or something I think this team has a possibility of a lower floor especially if there was an injury to Sam Hartman the quarterback and also the possibility of a higher ceiling so I think there's kind of the bandwidth on the predictions could go maybe three or four deep I think maybe seven wins with a disaster and maybe 11 wins at the high end Um, and this is a team that is not showing that there are dead ends so far through spring practice and the one practice we saw today uh, but, but, you know, the one thing I'm always kind of looking for is, is there an unsolvable problem that knocks that win total down? 
and and we haven't seen it yet. Now, are there things that need to be addressed? Yeah, there's a bunch of them. But the one thing that's really kind of exciting about this team is when you have an elite quarterback, you can make up for some of those other deficiencies. Like Brady and, Quinn did so well. Like Brady Quinn did so well. And I believe Sam Hartman is that elite quarterback. I think he's um, – you know, I had a chance to sit down with him earlier in the summer. We're going to have a story on that in the next week of that one-on-one. -on -one. But just how the guy is wired and how he performs in practice, um, the leadership that he's shown. He's now taken ownership of this team now that he's not in a yeah. – whether it was a real or imagined quarterback competition, he's, he's not in that anymore. So he can take ownership of the team. And it's really exciting to see. And the other pieces, again, you're not stretching to say, well, this could come together, this could come together. So it's really a, a season where I have less of a handle of right where it's going to fit. I mean, I, I, if I were guessing today, I would say a 10-win team. But I think it could go higher. I think it could go lower. My Nothing today made me think, you know, with no pads on. Sure. And, uh, that it was going to go lower than that. But, yeah, really exciting season. The other thing, Darren, is Marcus Freeman continues to define himself. His fingerprints are a lot more on this team than it was last year. Last year was kind of Marcus getting his feet wet, figuring out how to be a head coach, and kind of letting Tommy Reese take the offensive reins and making some suggestions. Um, and then really kind of letting Al Golden go with the defense. And now you see Marcus – Marcus is all over recruiting, but Marcus being so much more involved in every aspect of the program. And just some of the things he said today just lend itself to that more. So it's, it's a really interesting time to be a Notre Dame football fan because everything is so different. And we should mention, you know, Matt Bayless, yeah. the – Director of Football Performance, you know, they announced yesterday that he was leaving after six full seasons, six full seasons and off seasons with Notre Dame and and uh, the imprint that he's put on this program. Oh. And um, so hard that's to replace. Yeah, hard to replace because, I mean, a lot of people think about the strength coach as just the guy that's barking at you yeah. in the weight room. And, <laughs> and he did that. He did it well to the point he always lost his voice. But he helped Brian Kelly, Marcus's predecessor, remake the culture yeah. and, and redo um, Brian Kelly's career. I mean, he was a big part of that. He came up with all kinds of concepts like the SWAT teams that we talk about in the offseason. These are teams where they're – there's leadership and accountability, and they earn points based on what they do in the weight room and the classroom. I mean, all these things. But um, I think Marcus has a really good plan to go forward with this. Eric Hansen, InsideIndieSports.com. Darren Pritchett with you, Sportsbeat, on this Wednesday evening. The way I've tried to put a bow on the start of this fall camp, Eric, and I'll get your opinions, and I'll see if you agree with me or not. But I think back to last year at this time, the big conversation was who was going to be the starting quarterback. And it felt like it was going to be Tyler Buckner all along, but we were playing along with the game right. that it was a quarterback competition. 
you look at the other 21 starters going into last fall camp, you kind of knew who was going to do what, although the cornerback position changed a lot with Benjamin Morrison coming out of nowhere. To me, the quarterback position this year obviously stabilized with Sam Hartman. But as I look at the other 21 starters, to me, there are more question marks this year than going into camp last year. Fair? I would say, but I also think there are better potential answers. answers. Yeah. When you're choosing between, you know, some some of the positions, I mean, especially wide receiver with all the injuries and the defections and so forth, they were, um, you know, it was like, who's healthy today? Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it was a starter by default or somebody in the rotation by default. But, yeah, there are, but they're, they're – really interesting questions with good answers. For example, you know, the safeties, you think, okay, who's going to start at safety? Well, they're going to play four. So it's going to be the three holders from last season in Antonio Carter, the second, who is the transfer from Rhode Island. You look at the linebackers and you kind of wondered, okay, they're going to give Jack Kaiser a shot at winning the will linebacker. He's won it. Yeah. So now what do you do with Maris Leofau? How does he fit in? How does Jalen Sneed and some of the other younger linebackers fit in. You know, there's a defensive end spot between uh, Jean Baptiste, John Baptiste, uh, and uh, <laughs> Nana Asafa Mensa. The two hyphenated guys are battling it out. And, and there's some um, battles further down the depth chart that are interesting, like Kenny Minchie and Steve Angeli. Sure. Steve Angeli looked really good today. Um, but those rotations, you think, these are kind of good problems. How are you going to get the fifth string running back on the field who may be the fastest running back in Jeremiah Love? So those are good uncertainties. And let me take what you just said, which I agree with, that there are a lot of good answers to some of my questions. And let me give you one example. I come into this fall camp still wanting to see what the defensive line Mm -hmm. two-man depth chart looks like. We have been so accustomed for so many years now, and Mike Elston gets a lot of credit for getting the ball rolling, that you had the starters, you knew what you're going to get, but the B team, you didn't lose a whole lot when they came into the ballgame. This is a year where I kind of need to see how the number twos look. In fact, I kind of need to see how the number ones look. Is Jordan Botello going to be that guy that can – I don't want to say replace Isaiah Foskey. It's tough to replace the all-time sack leader in Notre Dame history. And now you've got guys who are twos that are moving up to ones. So there's a lot of uncertainty, which also leads back to where is the pass rush going to come from? Jordan Patello and dot, dot, dot. What I think is interesting to build on, you've got a lot of answers in a lot of places. The fact that you have a great set of corners that I think Al Golden probably feels like if he needs to play man with Hart and Morrison, he's comfortable. And what I'm getting to is if you've got two guys that can be outstanding in man coverage at the corner spot, you can be more aggressive in bringing extra bodies on the pass rush. So even though on paper you might look at the defensive line and say, boy, where's the pass rush going to come from? But it could come from Maris Leofau. It could come from Jack Kaiser. It might come from D.J. Brown on a safety blitz. But the fact you've got corners 
that are healthy and that you feel like you can count on, that's one of the interesting answers to the question, where is this pass rush going to come from? Yeah, and, you know, my first lesson of being back on the radio today is not to nod. I was nodding when Darren was talking, so I was approving what he was saying. But I was going to stop you if you started shaking your head. No, I would have changed my answer. <laughs> so um, I think the kind of unsung storyline of this training camp in this early season, and I wrote about this in Inside Indy Sports uh, earlier this week, is – the transformation or the evolution of Al Golden as Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. And he admitted in the spring, you know, his late start in getting in with the Cincinnati Bengals, yep. he was just kind of trying to meld what Clark Lee had been doing, what Marcus Freeman had been doing with what he had been, what he wanted to do. Um, there were a lot of things. I mean, I think the reentry back into college football was – Harder than he anticipated. A lot had changed in six years from when he was the head coach at uh, Miami to when he you know, left the NFL to come back to college. And having such a small time before the start of spring practice, he was kind of flying by the seat of his pants. And it was really up to Al this offseason to remedy that. And we've gotten hints that that's happening. What do the hints look like? For example, Jalen Sneed, who is one of the best athletes on the field or on the team, a uh, linebacker from South Carolina, um, didn't play a whole lot last season until very end, and even then it was kind of a niche role. Um, but Jalen Sneed, it was very telling, got invited to the defensive lineman's cookout at at the defensive line coach Al Washington's house. And it wasn't because he had the best covered dish. You know, it wasn't like he was a potluck star. It's because he's going to be helping to rush the passer. They're going to bring pressure from different ways. And before you say Brian Van Gorder, um, that was what, what his system was sold on. But, I mean, Brian Van Gorder didn't know how to teach it. He didn't know which buttons to push. You know, he didn't know how to evolve as a coach. I think – I think the evolution of um, Al Golden is real. It's just to what extent is it? I think we'll see Jack Kaiser rushing the passer. Um, we'll see guys in different roles. W one thing that was really revealing to me, Darren, was when Kingston Viliamu Asa committed, the linebacker from California committed on Sunday. He had been talking about, you know, one of the things he liked was the way that they would use him, not only as a linebacker, but somebody that could rush the passer. And he loved that. That's what he does at St. John Bosco mm -hmm. in Bellflower, California. And so that was kind of a hint to where they're pushing this. And even if Al Golden leaves after this season, I could see Marcus Freeman with whoever the next defensive coordinator being. Marcus Freeman's going to have a lot more to say about that scheme. He just kind of turned it over to Al because he was a first-year coach, wanted him to have a system he was familiar with. But I think you're going to see Marcus Freeman, you're going to see there being an identity. Now, again, to what degree will we see this? Will we see this in little you know, increments, or will we see a full-blown transformation of this defense where recruits and fans go, wow, this is not – the defense that was 21st in the nation last year but had all kinds of holes in it. 
I don't mean to jump ahead to 2024, but KVA versus Drake Bowen versus maybe Nolan Ziegler at the mic, that's kind of a fun conversation to have. It's a really fun conversation to have. And again, I think in packages, you're going to see a lot of those young guys this year. You're going to see Sneed. You're going to see Ziegler because Al Golden really wants to get those guys that are great athletes onto the field. Even if they just have one or two roles, get them on the field. Think about when Kyle Hamilton was a freshman. Kyle Hamilton wasn't a starter, but he was one of the best uh, pass defenders in all of college football as a reserve that came in in that dime package with two extra defensive backs. And that's how you kind of, okay, that's what we're thinking about with these other guys. Really put guys in a position to play to their strengths. And I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about Kaiser moving inside. I think he's definitely one of the most underrated guys on the team, Jack Kaiser, the fifth-year I think he already has an undergraduate degree and a master, so he's a star in the wow. classroom too. Eric, let me sneak in one more question in this segment. When you watched practice today and the media got to watch the entire practice, did you focus on offense, defense, a little grab bag before I ask the next question? I was a grab bag. It, okay. The first day of practice, I'm all over the place. Okay. Any player catch your attention? Well, I was – Always kind of looking for surprises. Obviously, Sam Hartman catches your attention. And I would say out of everybody just kind of jumping out at me, Jeremiah Love, the freshman running back, was so quick. Now, again, <laughs> no pads on. And, you know, he's not going against a defensive, you know, it, people can't get physical with him. But, wow, does he move fast. And Jaden Mickey looked like Ben Morrison. I mean, if you if they mm, didn't have their mm, numbers mm. on, you'd say he had two interceptions today and he was he was pretty convincing as a third corner. I mean, there are other people too. I mean, Cam Hart looks Cam Hart told me in the spring he goes, "I'm going to be an All-American next year and I'm then I'm going to leave and I'm going to get be a first-round draft choice." Wow. And I kind of went, "Well, okay." And and uh, and then uh, you know just kind of watching him move today, I went okay. Maybe he's knows what he's talking about. I mean, there's not a lot of six three cornerbacks with that kind of length and that kind of speed running around, but he's never really been fully healthy. He's always had a, one shoulder or the other dragging on the ground. Yeah. And even last year, I mean, he played through a lot of shoulder pain. He is not injured now, so if he can stay healthy. Um, let me give you an offensive lineman. I mean, okay. Billy Shrouth just, I mean, he looks like he could capsize a blocking sled. I, he's, I mean, people feel like that left guard is open. I don't think it's open. And when I talked to Marcus one-on-one -on -one in the s summer and June, you know, he, he's like, yeah, Billy's going to be the left guard. Yeah. And for people, just to remind them, if they're not in football mode yet, what we're probably looking at for the offensive line, you got an All-American at left tackle and Joe Alt. Let's go ahead and go from pencil to pen with Billy Shrouth as the right. left guard. Zeke Carell is your center. Blake Fisher at right tackle. And then right guard still could be up in the air. You've got right. Christophic and what, Spindler? Is that probably yeah. the only two candidates at this point? Well, you know, Joe Rudolph had talked about introducing, like, 
maybe Tosh Baker or maybe Emil Wagner. These are second team tackles because you're still looking for your best five, not necessarily who's your best guard. But I think it'll come down to Kristoff against Spindler. Spindler looks – I mean, the, the thing is, if Rocco didn't think he had a chance, he would have been in the portal last spring. And so it, it's going to be really interesting. That's going to be an interesting battle. Eric Hansen, editor of Inside Indie Sports, back with me here on Sportsbeat. I'm Darren Pritchett. You're through one segment. Do you need a pat down or anything? I mean, that was, you know, that's a lot. First time in a few years here. So are you good? I'm good. I you don't need, even a towel? need a beer. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> Although, do we have a beer that sponsors us? Oh, of course. Budweiser is still okay, going Budweiser. strong. Okay. Absolutely. I could have used a Budweiser. Absolutely. But we'll save that for another time. Okay. Budweiser for 13 years, Folds of Honor, and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's the family in. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. <laughs> Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. And by Bowlers Country Club, inviting everyone to their 38th annual corn and sausage roast this Saturday. Be there. Aloha. Boy, we've got some great sponsors, and that food bank is really interesting because a lot of the Notre Dame players are doing yeah. charity work with the food bank. So no really cool sponsors. I love it. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, we got to talk more about Sam Hartman and the beard. Beard was looking good today. It was outstanding. Well, you're a beard guy. I mean, you give I it a have... thumbs up. Yeah. We talk beards during Did our one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> and fishing and a lot of other stuff. <laughs> All right, we'll get to that coming up in a couple of moments. Plus, we'll mix in some Marcus Freeman talk on Hartman's leadership. And did he ever consider going back to the portal for a backup quarterback? Hmm. Hmm. Answers coming up. He's Eric. I'm Darren. We've got more sports beat coming up 532 at WSBT. Barnaby's a Mishawaka and Granger. I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Uh, here at Notre Dame, to have a chance to play these kind of teams, you have an opportunity to jump up and, and maybe in some ways be a spoiler. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We're talking about Stanford. Yeah, if you want to ask me a question about Stanford, I'm all ears. I'll pass. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And most of the football players who chose USC over UCLA because it's easier to spell. It is 537 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett, back with Eric Hansen, now the editor of Inside Indie Sports. Dot com. I'm going to try to go as long as I can without saying your old title. That's my goal because I said it for so oh, many that, years. That, that I'm old. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I, I'm just so used to saying the other place that I really have to focus on editor of InsideIndieSports.com. 
So I hope not to get scolded, that's for sure. Okay. But I'm impressed. Our first segment in a couple of years, and you brought up Brian Van Gorder, just like that. we got to bring him up somehow. So we do have a curse jar now, so you said his name, you got to put a quarter in. So, okay. Yeah, there you go. That's a new addition to the studio. All right, well, the Irish had practice today. Marcus Freeman met the media. Good to see Sam Hartman out there. Throwing the football for the Fighting Irish, the new starting quarterback of Notre Dame. One year of eligibility after a great run at Wake Forest. He's now in charge of this Fighting Irish offense. Just a a quick thought or two on when you watched Hartman today in practice. Kind of what you were expecting? Anything stand out? I mean, there was a lot of red zone stuff today, so you probably didn't get to see him air it out like he's so good at doing at Wake Forest. Right, which is what you – what you expect see, yeah. yeah you get that that's what you came to see i mean that's what makes the popcorn taste better although i would say we didn't have popcorn out there but um i just like the command he has of the position he did throw a couple picks during those red zone uh plays and the thing about it that was interesting to me is you know when we were talking in the summer he said you know, I'm still learning the team. I'm still learning not so much the playbook as learning the players and the timing and what they like. And, you know, there were a lot of new receivers to learn. And, and again, the other thing in his defense is the cornerbacks are by far the best position group from top to bottom. They are. And can you believe that this – we were talking about the cornerbacks just a couple years ago being the big question yeah. marks – to go from and really last year going well man but but this year i mean they are that's the identity of this team in fall camp is how good the cornerbacks are uh but yeah i like the first day of him i think we will see uh progressively better performances from him think about last spring you know i mean he and buckner looked pretty even for a while and by the end of the spring it was you know, people that hadn't been in the practices we had, they were like, what are you talking about, a quarterback competition? Uh, so, Well, let's also keep in mind, he was learning to run an offense from under center. Yes. Taking a snap from the center sounds silly, but it is a process because he was in the shotgun all the time and would make the, the play call from the line of scrimmage, was never yep. in a huddle. You got to be in a huddle here. So... It seems like, oh, you just throw him out there. He's ready to go. But there's just little things. Drew Brees had to go through with that, going yeah. from Purdue to the National Football League. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. Mentally, he's locked in. Um, such a fascinating guy. Um, and and I think we'll see that performance. I think we'll see that show up on Saturdays. And, again, his best attribute is that long passing game and so forth. Showed some quickness moving around. Uh, getting away from pressure, uh, there's just a lot to like about him. But I do think it was good that the backup quarterback looked good today and Steve Angeli. And, I mean, who knows, Kenny Minchie could beat him out, but Steve Angeli had a good summer, and they need a good plan B if, if you know, he – Sam Hartman needs to come out for a series for some reason. You know, Steve Angeli needs to be able to go in there and not have a disaster. Well, it's good to know what Sam's mom is going to have his rib on a necklace. So if he needs it during the game, they could just bring it down really quick and back and ready to go. We, we talked a little <laughs> bit about the necklace before the necklace became national news. But he said he does not plan to wear it. There's like 
Hawaiian shells that are on the necklace okay. with the. But he said that he would be heartbroken if somehow it got lost or broken. So the necklace will just be decorative, you sentimental, know, sentimental, and a conversation piece, not okay. something that he will wear around like some of the other guys wear necklaces. Marcus Freeman met the media today, and Marcus spent a couple of moments discussing how Sam's leadership skills have really come to the forefront, in particular, as Eric mentioned, now that there is no quarterback competition, because he was kind of the new guy and yeah. in a competition, so it's hard to lead now. Yeah. No problem. Here's Marcus Freeman. I think what he's talking about is leadership, right? And, and it's hard, as I've talked with Sam about, it's hard to truly lead when you're in a quarterback battle to be the leader. Um, and, and what you've seen from the time that he's realized he's the quarterback is his leadership amongst that offensive unit has continued to just excel. And, and what that creates is what we call that unit strength. And it's that buy-in. It's that, that emotional factor that I don't want to let this guy down. I don't want to let this leader down. And, and I, I see that amongst the offense. I said this probably two weeks ago. In my two years here, man, this is maybe the closest group of players I've seen. And, and you can see it. There's different examples. As a head coach, you can just watch and see it. And, and that's, in, that's important. When you have that emotional bond, um, that's when great things really are achieved. You know? And so we have to continue to create that amongst our team, amongst our offense, amongst our defense. There has to be an emotional bond amongst these group of men that they don't want to let each other down. The Oakland A's of the 70s who would fight in the locker room and there was little chemistry is a rare exception to a team without any chemistry being a dominant team for several years. It makes such a difference when the locker room is together. And you know what happens a lot of times, Eric, and I, I think it's fair to say that we have watched it unfold in the past at Notre Dame. When there's a quarterback competition, guys pick sides, and it can fracture a locker room. That isn't going to be the case now since there's no quarterback competition. Sam Hartman is the guy. But it is a good sign. There's great chemistry. And I think some of that, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, has to do with the way Marcus Freeman led the team in some really rough moments last year. When you lose to Marshall, you lose to Stanford. To be quite frank, you can't lose those games. They did, but the team didn't fracture, at least from the outside looking in. Yeah. We didn't notice it, and by the way they talked, the way they acted on the field, no one ever gave up on the season. Some of those guys that were going to be drafted could have said, the heck with this, I'm done. But they bought into what Marcus was preaching, and I really think Marcus probably helped establish a really good culture in some of those rough moments last year that are paying off right now. I agree, and I also think he did it even before the season started with getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and being at the 6 o'clock workouts and doing the workouts with the players and running the hill with the players. Um, I think that was a big part of them believing in Marcus because they felt like he was doing it with them. They were all in the same yeah. boat. And, and certainly the defensive players had a lot of confidence in him from his year as the defensive coordinator, but the offensive guys – you know, he had to win those guys over. And, yeah, the way he handled adversity last year and certainly the Clemson game was very yeah. vindicating, I guess, for lack of a better term, or 
at least redeeming, I should say, not vindicating, redeeming, um, I think that helped with his credibility and winning a bowl game against an SEC team. So I just remember the look on his face once he knew he was going to win that first game. You could just see yeah. the bear just falling off his back. I mean, there was a lot of pressure at that moment because you question yourself, can I do this? You start 0-2. Let's face it, you probably were going to lose to Ohio State. You were going to beat Marshall. You were going to be 1-1. One one. So to be 0-2 was a shock to the system, but he fought through it. And things right. ended up very well as the season went on. Yeah, I'll tell you, the Stanford game to me was the bigger shocker than the Marshall. And I know people think, well, Stanford's no. a power five. Marshall, at the end of the season, was one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, their offense, you know, they were a good running team there. People solved their quarterbacks, but... Um, Stanford was bad on both sides of the ball. And Notre Dame had such an advantage in so many areas. I, when you play your advantage game on Friday, that there would have been check, no Stanford check, check marks. <laughs> and f- for Stanford to, to to riddle a team in midseason, that was – and it wasn't for lack of effort. I mean, there was a lack of good coaching in that game, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I think Tommy Reese is – a bright offensive mind, and I think he'll probably do pretty well at Alabama, but that was a bad day at the office for Mm. Tommy. Mm -hmm. No question. All right, how about a quick thought? We're running a little short on time in this segment. I teased it. We're not going to have time to play the audio, but Marcus Freeman said today that he did not consider going back to the portal to get maybe what we would call a veteran backup quarterback. He's going to invest the snaps in fall camp, in his two young guys, although I guess Steve Angeli, I couldn't shouldn't call him young anymore. He just hasn't thrown the football. Well, he's a it, sophomore. It just seemed like he's been here forever, though. Yeah. But you've got Angeli and you've got Kenny Minchie. They're going to get those reps to try to become better football players, and he kind of sees them as part of the future of this program. And you throw C.J. Carr in the mix, of course, once he signs in December. So we don't want to see Sam Hartman get hurt. But it's something we have to think about. We had to deal with it in week two last year. As you look at the backup quarterbacks, is this something where if they have to play a significant amount of time, does that change the way that Jared Parker runs this offense? Or do you think the fact that, let's just use Angeli as the example, he's probably the number two, barring getting beaten out. Is he far enough along into this system, assuming that Parker's not going to change everything that Reese did, that he would be comfortable in running this offense. I think so. And, and not stripping down the offense. And, and Marcus mentioned it today, and, and when I talked to Sam Hartman, it was the same thing. Angeli has tagged along with Hartman. He's become a shadow, and Hartman's more than happy to do that. That's good. Um, he, we, we talked just ahead of July 4th, and he goes, I'm going to take him fishing. He's a big fisherman. <laughs> but he's taken him to do other things, too, and – It'll be interesting to see if Angeli goes out to the 3D QB place that both Buckner and Hartman, a lot of other top quarterbacks in college and pro, if he goes out there because Hartman called going out to 3D QB one of the turning points of his career. Hmm. Uh, But, yes, I I do think. Can he run at the level Hartman? No. There's a huge drop-off because you're talking about one of the most experienced and competent quarterbacks in college football versus somebody that hasn't thrown a pass. But, you know, I I would have made probably the same decision that Marcus Freeman had. I like the fact that they talked about it at length and 
again, when I talked to Marcus Freeman one-on-one in June, I said, did you even kick the tires on anybody? You know, they made phone calls, but they weren't really serious. What they were looking, would have looked for if they did, they didn't want just somebody that was one and done like Hartman because how good of a quarterback are you going to get to just be the Notre Dame number two quarterback for a year? Um, So they would have had to get somebody with two years of eligibility. Right. Then you start to muddle it up. Do you lose either Angeli or Minchie after the season because you brought in that quarterback? And don't you worry about recruiting in the future? I mean, at some point. Right, right. And then C.J. Carr. What does C.J. Carr make of this? You know, because he's going to want to compete for the 2024. So ultimately they felt, you know what, we have better talent here on the roster. Let's stick with these guys. And you think about it, I mean, it can work out. Um, in 2015, Malik Zaire didn't have a ton of experience. He was the number one going into that season, got hurt in game two. Yep. Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser had no experience. And then behind him was a true freshman and Brandon Wimbush, who were they going to, they were going to redshirt. So it was just Kaiser and Wimbush the whole season with a starting quarterback that ran the ball a lot. So it can turn out to be okay, but. You know, this is a different dynamic, but I mean, three is enough. And if you like the three that you have, then don't go Absolutely. jumping in the portal. And and the thing about it is, Darren, if Angeli and Minchie aren't who you thought they were at the end of the season, you can always go back to the portal in December. Yep. He's Eric Hansen, editor of InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Thanks to Kenneth Gipp on Twitter. He wrote me a note at, at 960 Sportsbeat. He says, great radio like having Abbott and Costello, Siegfried and Roy, Tango and Cash, Captain and Tennille, or Peaches and Herb back together. Wow. <laughs> Wait, are you Siegfried or are you Roy? I'm I'm just curious Which how I've got been... eaten by the tiger. I don't want to be that or person. Bitten. Yeah. I don't I guess it wasn't eaten. I don't know who's Peaches and who's Herb. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peaches was the girl, so I don't know which of one of us would be the female singer, but I don't know. That's okay. I think we'll it was meant it. as a compliment, and I I take it as a compliment. We will That's take great. it as a compliment. Thank you very much. He's Eric. I'm Darren. You get to experience your first Sports Beat Twitter question of the day next. Are you ready to answer the tough question? I, I answered it online. Did so you? I already, yep. You've already participated. All yep. right. We'll get to that in a moment. 5:52 at WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. He's Eric Hansen, editor of InsideIndieSports.com. My Twitter account is at 960 Sportsbeat, and yesterday I asked you to answer this question. What part of the Notre Dame football team do you believe will take the biggest quote unquote step back? In 2023, your four choices, special teams, run game, pass rush, or run defense. How did you vote, Mr. Hansen? I voted for pass rush. Not that I think it's a certainty, but I think it's the, of those it has the most question marks, has the most answers that we need to see in August. Okay, well, 8.6% who voted said the run game, no Logan Diggs anymore, two new offensive guards to work in, but you look at the running back group, I have made my own depth chart. 
I put Audric Estimate. Then I really had to stop and think the order I'm going to put down. I ended up putting Price second because I think right. he will persevere. But there's a lot of talent. I just don't know where Payne's going to fit in. I think he might just kind of slip down the line a little bit. All right, third. He, he might, but he's he's still pretty quality. Yeah, yeah, quality. Third in the voting, 16% of the vote, run defense. I do need to see how this unit's going to fare. Right, and I'm, I'm my confidence is Jack Kaiser moving inside. I okay. like that. The thing about that NC State game, the run game defense won't be that important. They don't run a whole lot with that coordinator, but he's reunited with Armstrong now, so yep. the passing game will be interesting against the Notre Dame pass defense. All right, second in the voting, which part of the Irish football team do you believe will take the biggest step back in 2023? Well, your vote. 27.2% went with the pass rush. But maybe this vote kind of stems from the fact that special teams was so flatlined for so long under Brian Kelly where nothing right. ever seemed to happen. And you had this explosive season, and the guy who ran it goes to the Colts. 48.1% said special teams. And, and it's possible. I mean, I think people are thinking about the block punts. Although Marty Biaggi has some of that in his past. And I mean, in talking to him, a lot of it is how much does the head coach believe in special teams? How much is he willing to invest? And Marcus Freeman is still investing the best players on the squad in special teams. So I don't know that it'll take a huge step back or even a subtle step back. Okay. But we'll see. Today's question you can vote on this right now at 960 Sports Beat. If you had access to the first day of Notre Dame training camp, what position group or what area of the field would you sit down and watch? Your choices, quarterbacks, receivers, linebackers, or just stand next to Marcus Freeman. The fifth choice is sitting next to Eric Hansen. That would have been a very, very good choice as well. Vote now at 960 Sportsbeat. Results on tomorrow's program. All right, as we wind up this hour of the program... Got to get the music going. Give our listeners a couple of details what they can expect right now at NC, in, InsideIndieSports.com. We have a transcript of Marcus Freeman's press conference. If you don't want to watch the whole thing and just want to uh, cherry pick the questions, we got video highlights from practice. We'll have a notebook. We'll have a practice report. And we will have Football Never Sleeps on YouTube tonight at 8 o'clock. So just go to YouTube and search for Inside ND Sports or Football Never Sleeps. Just put that in the search bar and you'll see Tyler and me um, not sweating because we'll be in air conditioning. <laughs> and one thing about the transcript, sometimes the questions are longer than the answers, but we'll fight we through try it. To, we try to modify the questions. Excellent. This was fun. How about we do it again tomorrow? I'm... All for it. All right. Good to see you, Eric Hansen, editor of InsideIndieSports.com. 601 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT South. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to estimate. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On 
Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to estimate 10 5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Nine minutes after six o'clock on this Wednesday, July the 26th. Budweiser's weekday sports beat moves into hour number two. Darren Pritchett with you on day one of Notre Dame football fall camp. Joining me right now is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, who was front and center for some football today and then had to battle the rain and the lightning. I think recording some videos at blueandgold.com. I'm glad you didn't blow away. I'm glad you're with me here on day one of Notre Dame football training camp. So good to be with you. And now we get to talk about footballs in action rather than guessing what's going to happen. It feels good to be talking about pigskins today. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd rather it rain on us when we're trying to record a video yeah. rather than when we're <laughs> sitting out there on the practice fields you, you know you've been to that setup where yep. they've got everybody on the far field outdoors and it's a pretty good sprint I mean it's across two fields to try to get back inside so better it rain when it did when we were under some cover at Purcell Pavilion than uh, during the practice it, it was a fun day to be out there for sure the weather was awesome and uh, it, it feels like fall camp it feels like this thing's right around the corner I put together my own Notre Dame football depth chart today and I had my running back list, and I've altered it four times because I'm trying to figure out what the order is going to be. First off, this is a really good problem to have. The five guys I'm trying to put in order, I mean, Tyler, these are really, really good running backs. So it's not like you have two weak links at the end that you're trying to figure out the order. I mean, these are five guys that I feel like Notre Dame has a lot of confidence in, including, you know, a two freshman in Jeremiah Love. But Audric Estime, we know, is Batman. That's pretty simple. But you got yep. Price, Ford, Payne, Love. It's really hard to put them in any order at this time. I'll tell you, I put down Price second, Ford third for now. How would you sum up right now, after day one, there's no pads, but what order would you put those top three running backs? You're a smart man, Darren, because that's my top three as well, and this is after watching an entire day of practice where we literally got to see these guys line up uh, time and time again out there on the field in an 11-on-11 capacity. So, yeah, I mean, Audrey Gestime is number one. Everybody knew that going in. But that's kind of the intrigue in this room is, yeah, you got four other guys, but you've got no idea what order those guys were going to be in. I think it answered my, – my questions were answered pretty confidently. Darian Price pretty much trotted out there second behind Estime at every turn. When Estime's you know, time on the field was up, he'd jog off, and Darian Price would jog in. So I think those are the top two guys. And then, yeah, Devin Ford, I think, was number three for me. Uh, he got a lot of second-team reps. You know, if Estime and, and Price were out or needed a breather or whatever, I think he might have even got some first-team reps. That's just the nature of a running back, though. Uh, you can have three guys who can, you know, viably – and then on this team, maybe four or five who can viably run with the first team. Doesn't mean you are a first-teamer. That's Audric Estime. But uh, those were the top three guys. But it's funny, just kind of continuing this conversation, you had those three – and then I thought Jeremiah Love was kind of in lockstep with Devin Ford, so maybe that was like a 3A and a, and a 3B. But then I look down at my notes, and I start remembering some of the plays and, and replaying them in my mind, and I'm like, well, shoot, did it, or, uh, Jabron Payne ran in a touchdown and caught a <laughs> touchdown consecutive plays during this practice. This was 11-on-11, 11 11. and if you've read 
our stuff at blueandgold.com. It was all red zone today. Every single snap was inside the 20-yard line. We'll probably talk about that a little later in our conversation. But So, so that's why you're ref, you, you'll see me reference so many touchdowns. But still, on consecutive plays where you know, you got a defense out there who kind of probably knows what's coming in a lot of these red zone packages from the offense, for Javron Payne to score twice in a row, I thought it was really, really impressive. So I, I thought it was Estime, Price, Ford, Love, and then I'm like, well, shoot, where do I put Payne into this thing? <laughs> I think it's got a behind estimate. There's a really good chance that this thing is by committee and it's not because you don't know who's good. It's because everybody's good. And I think everybody can go in there and get the job done. Hmm. Tyler, if we would have had our say, we would have had Sam Hartman throw a lot of deep balls today because that's what he did so well at Wake Forest. But you just defined what practice was about today on the offensive side of the football, red zone work, taking snaps, inside the 20-yard line. So we don't have anything to report of Sam just letting her fly down the field, but give me your thoughts on the chemistry that was or was not there between Hartman and his wide receivers on day one of fall camp. I thought it was pretty good. And and again, I thought the defense kind of knew what was coming on some of these, so there were some broken up plays. Um, I I don't know if – You'd probably say the defense won the day. There were a couple really good interceptions. Benjamin Morrison had one, Clarence Lewis, and Jaden Mickey. So right there, you're like, whoa, not only turnovers, but turnovers in the red zone. That's a good sign for the Notre Dame defense. Outside of that, I thought Hartman was doing what he did at Wake Forest and really what he did in the spring game this past spring for Notre Dame and then kind of throughout the spring as well. He was spreading the ball around is the big one. Chris Tyree was a target of his. He was looking to the running backs out of the backfield. Uh, He was throwing to the tight ends a little bit. Holden Stays was a favorite target of his today. So I think that was an emphasis as much as kind of getting these red zone plays in and maybe some misdirection, some tunnel screen types of stuff was just, hey, man, we got a lot of weapons here. Let's try to use them. Uh, And, again, it wasn't air the ball out downfield type of day, which was – that kind of got me out of bed early this morning. I was like, hey, we get to see Sam Hartman throw the ball 50 yards. We did not. I mean, even in the individual drills and the the one-on-ones before some of the competitive 11-on-11 and 7-on-7 stuff, it was all in the red zone. So that's kind of a tough proposition for a quarterback. And, again, especially when the defense kind of knows what's coming. But it didn't feel like one of those days in the spring where this guy's brand new. And, I mean, we talked back in April or, you know, March and April – it looked a little discombobulated back then, and maybe he wasn't fully comfortable with his surroundings. Today, I think he was. He was spreading the ball around through a couple touchdown passes. So uh, for as far as a, a first day of camp goes, and if you're going to limit the situation to what it was, I think Sam Hartman performed pretty admirably today. He's Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Was there a consistent first-team wide receiver group today? There was. And there really wasn't much rotation. And there was a slight um, difference from what we saw in the spring. You still had Jaden Thomas out there and you still had Tobias Merriweather. Those would be your two outside guys, Merriweather, Boundary, Thomas, Field. And we've seen Thomas play a lot of slot, obviously, which was interesting because you saw that a lot in the spring. But playing slot today as the number one guy was Chris Tyree. And I think that is a huge boost for Notre Dame just in the sense that he gives you a different body out there. Now, look, 
there are some people who may be totally out on Chris Tyree just based on what's happened in the last couple of years with the injuries. And then last year he was a third fiddle running back to Audrey Gessamay and Logan Diggs. And, you know, from that freshman season, things have kind of slid downhill for him. But we talked about how this can be a rebranding, a reinvention of sorts with Tyree moving to wide receiver. And I thought he looked pretty good today, just getting open. And uh, he's one of the guys that, as I mentioned earlier, Sam Hartman threw a touchdown pass to. So he's got the rapport with Hartman. I think he's way more comfortable running routes as a wide receiver now as opposed to coming out of the backfield and running them. I asked Marcus Freeman at the end of the press conference today, kind of the differences he's seen in Tyree uh, from the spring till now and making this switch from running back to wide receiver. And, you know, he says all the things that you're looking for. It's confidence, it's comfort. He's working with these quarterbacks more, so he's got a better relationship with them on and off the field. And all of these things are playing into him uh, potentially being a starter for this team. It goes back to the question that you asked, who are the first team wide receivers? I think you can definitely sharpie Jaden Thomas in there. I think Tobias Merriweather is coming into his own as well, and he's got the length and everything you want at boundary. He had a better day today than Deion Colsey, so that's where that separation is if those are the two guys who are vying for that spot. And then you might see Chris Tyree starting as this team slot receiver. I mean, he's he's a veteran guy, even in that wide receiver room, even if he's only been playing this position for a short amount of time. This is his fourth season. You don't have a lot of senior wide receivers in that room, so I thought it was interesting to see him running with the ones, but that may be something that continues throughout fall. Now, before I ask this next question, let me set this up for our listeners just to give them a little background that this is day one of practice. There were not any pads on, so we can't jump to conclusions on on many things. And there are some days where media might be watching a practice where this player is spotlighted, but every other day it might be another player. So we have to kind of balance what we see. So with that being said, can you take away anything today from the big batch of tight ends that Gerard Parker and this Fighting Irish offense put on the practice field today? It seemed like everybody had an opportunity to have some chances to make plays, including Cooper Flanagan. Yeah, I thought Cooper Flanagan was impressive. Uh, I do not expect him to trot out there as a starter by any means on August 26th against Navy, but he showed me some things today that for a group that is also pretty inexperienced, maybe he can be in the mix for playing time, at least against Navy. I wouldn't be shocked to see him get on the field, but uh, I thought Holden Stace had a really good day. He also uh, caught a lot of passes I mentioned from Sam Hartman and even uh, some of the other quarterbacks, Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, they were looking his way often, but it was interesting uh, Eli Raritan was suited and again no full pads so um, you know that is what it is but he was suited and he was going through all the individual drills and then it came time for competitive team periods and I didn't see him get in once so that may be something with him coming back from the knee still uh, we, ex- we actually get to talk to Parker and the tight ends tomorrow so we can see exactly where he's at and maybe if we will see him do competitive things he was one of the guys I was really looking forward to seeing from the tight end group but if he's still limited, then, you know, all those storylines kind of go out the window and, and you hope that he's healthy for August 26th. But really it was Kevin Bauman who's also coming back from an ACL injury. He ran with the ones a bunch. Uh, I mentioned Holden Stays, Cooper Flanagan. Uh, Mitchell Evans was another guy that didn't do much in the competitive team periods, and that's um, concerning. Obviously we'll get the update on him tomorrow as well, but he was kind of the number one guy uh, really ever since Michael Mayer declared for the NFL draft, even before the Gator Bowl 
you remember Mitchell Evans was the number one tight end going into that game, ends up catching the game-winning touchdown pass. So it's just kind of a hodgepodge all over the place with these six guys. I think once you get them fully healthy, and that's the, that's the goal for Parker, obviously, with one month until the season, you need all six of those guys because then you can really see which are the two or three best and put them on the field the most. But uh, when you're limited to, hey, who's available, then today that was Bauman looks pretty good. Uh, he was wearing a brace on that knee, but he looked pretty good. Stays looked really good. And then for it being his first college practice ever, I thought Cooper Flanagan looked really good. He wasn't coming away with a lot of catches, but he was targeted a few times and he was trusted to be on the field uh, out of necessity. But I think it was also just based out of what he's earned in, in practice or uh, in workouts and whatnot leading up to this. So you got really good group if they're all healthy right now. That's the goal. We're talking Notre Dame football with the Notre Dame football beat reporter at blueandgold.com. Tyler Horka, I know you focused on the offensive side of the football today, but let me throw a defensive question at you. Jack Kaiser, Maris Leofau, looks like they have flipped positions that Kaiser is the will and now Leofau is the rover. I got to admit, one of my concerns going into the season, how good is this defense going to be stopping the run? Do you think Kaiser going to the will linebacker spot is going to help enhance this team's ability to stop the run. Just kind of your overall thoughts on that switch. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's it's an interesting one to make this late. I mean, these guys are all graduates, and I thought Jack Kaiser was awesome, especially against the run last year. So you do kind of worry if uh, moving him kind of brings down his quality of play. Now you hope that he's a, a good enough player to where it won't matter, and he's just as good with this new position as he was uh, primarily as the rover but uh, it's also a thing to think about that this might be a case where if Notre Dame goes nickel a bunch this year which I think it will I mean mm-hmm. that's probably its strongest defensive package because again I mentioned Clarence Lewis had an interception today I thought he looked pretty good um, may- maybe Kaiser is that guy that stays on the field a little bit more as, as opposed to Leofau who led this team in defensive snaps last year I, I just truly think he got a little uh, overplayed, not not out of fault of his own. If the coach says, hey, you're on the field, then, of course, you take those reps. But, I mean, that'll wear you down a little bit. You've seen J.D. Bertrand get worn down as well. So uh, I think it could be a, a switch just kind of keeping the health and the in the general, um, you know, well-being of these players in mind. But, again, it, it might be one that is more scheme-focused and scheme-driven as well. I I can't wait to ask Al Golden specifically about some of these things. But, yeah, I mean, this is a group where you have to get the most out of those three linebackers in the middle because you heard Marcus Freeman today just talk – just the way he talks about those guys, he keeps on saying, you know what you have and then you know what you have. So those coaches, they clearly think that those are the three best linebackers on the team. Those are the three linebackers that are going to play the most. So now it's about – trying to get a little bit more out of them because I think we'd all agree that, yeah, you know, they were good. They were solid last year, but it's not like Notre Dame has one of the best linebacking cores in the nation with those three guys. And you'd hope that be the case with three graduate seniors, but really right now it's not. So I think this is a move that, you know, anything goes just to try to get the best out of that group because this defense can really all come down to how those three guys play in the middle. And if they're not playing their best, well, Notre Dame's just going to have, you know, average, maybe slightly better than average defense. 
Final question for you. And again, I want to make sure the listeners know you focus on the offense today. This is more of a defensive question, but watching the offense, I'm sure some guys popped up. I'm going to give you three names, and these mm-hmm. are all newcomers to the program. You got a strong side defensive end and Javante Jean Baptiste out of Ohio State. You got Thomas Harper, who could be a nickel, could be a safety. He's out of Oklahoma State. And then the Rhode Island kid who played corner last year could be a safety, Antonio Carter. Did any of those three pop up today while you were watching the offense? Yeah, John Baptiste, kind of like in the spring, he was uh, a little limited, I would say. He wasn't out there with the ones as much as you thought he would be. So uh, that's not going to be my answer. I thought Clarence Lewis was better than Thomas Harper. Those are the two guys that were – uh, rotating in and out of nickel today. So I think right now it stands Harper is probably your number two nickel. But uh, I saw Carter play some backup safety. It was Henderson and Watts, uh, mostly starting safety. And then Brown, uh, DJ Brown and Antonio Carter would come in. And it looks like Carter's got some real range to him as a safety. I think it was pretty impressive just kind of watching him run around out there. Now, this wasn't really a practice where, I mean, if you condense everything into the 20-yard line, you know, this, the safeties don't really have much room to kind of go out there and make plays over right. the top or whatever. But side to side, laterally, I thought Antonio Carter was moving around pretty well. Um, it, there, there were instances where even safeties would get matched up one-on-one in these red zone situations and they would lose their reps. I never really saw Antonio Carter just get totally beat in coverage. Um, it's one of those situations where if you don't have full pads on, then – you really, as a defensive player, you really don't want to be spotlighted unless you're making an interception like some of these guys did today because if you are spotlighted, that means you were probably getting uh, a ball caught over your head or whatever. Carter never had that today. So I think it was a really good pickup by Notre Dame just to kind of add to that safety depth because I thought Watts was, was far and away one of Notre Dame's best defensive backs, probably definitely the best safety today. Hmm. And But you can't just rely on one guy. So – Uh, I thought Carter was a good addition, and I kind of liked the way that he played today. So what is your story total up to since practice ended? Oh, I think half a dozen. (laughs) got half a dozen up up today, and there's more to work on. And then we get to do it all again tomorrow, same time, same place. Uh, Don't get the full practice, but we'll see five periods and then talk to Parker and the tight end. So, I mean, this thing is in full swing now. Highlight a story maybe you've written today that's up at blueandgold.com that Irish fans need to check out. Yeah, I actually just published it. I was joking with you right before you called me. Um, just hit publish probably five minutes on a, before we got on here on a story <laughs> about uh, the Notre Dame quarterback situation. And obviously, you know, Sam Hartman is the guy. I mean, you see Notre Dame tweet out a video where they're following this guy around uh, literally from the door at the Goog all the way to the practice fields and while he's practicing. So he is the guy. But what about the other quarterbacks? I thought Steve Angeli had a really good day. Kenny Minchie even made some nice passes. So I've got some quotes in that story from Marcus Freeman about what he thinks about the quarterback situation beyond Sam Hartman because I've covered Notre Dame long enough to know that maybe one of those guys will uh, be called upon at some point this year. You don't want that if you're a fighting Irish fan, but that's just reality. So if you want to know what Freeman thinks about the other quarterbacks, uh, that's a really good one to check out right now. You can check out Tyler Horka right now, again, at blueandgold.com. 
and looking forward to visiting with Tyler each Saturday on Game Day Sports Beat here on WSBT Radio. A month from today, you'll be enjoying a little time in Ireland, probably writing a recap about this time one month from today. But until then, enjoy your fall camp time, and we'll talk to you next week. Yep, can't wait. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, sir. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Your time is 629. Coming up next, the next segment in our Notre Dame football opponent preview today, game number four. It's those Chippewas of Central Michigan under the spotlight on WSBT. Our next stop on our Notre Dame football opponent preview. We take a look at the matchup at Notre Dame Stadium between the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the Chippewas of Central Michigan University. Last season, the Chippewas posted a record of 4-8. and eight. Their victories, well, they beat Bucknell 41-0, a win at Akron 28-21, a win in DeKalb over Northern Illinois 35-22, and the Chips beat Buffalo 31-27. Their opener was on the road, and they lost a wild one to Oklahoma State 58-44. They came home and then lost to South Alabama, ouch, 38-24. They went to Happy Valley. Central Michigan lost to Penn State 33-14. Then in the MAC, they lost at Toledo 38-17. They lost to the Chirps of Ball State 17-16, a 34-18 defeat at the hands of Bowling Green. Western Michigan outslugged Central Michigan 12-10, and then a loss at Eastern Michigan 38-19. This 4-8 Chippewas team from last year returns four starters on offense and nine on the defensive side of the football. Their head coach is Jim McElwain, 61 years old, a former quarterback from Eastern Washington. Got his head coaching career really rolling at Colorado State. Had a good run there between 2012 and 2014. Then took a step up to the Southeastern Conference, where McElwain took over the Florida Gators from 2015 to 2017 and led the Gators to a pair of SEC Divisional Titles and was the SEC Coach of the Year in 2015 before eventually being let go. Now, McElwain gained a lot of experience in Tuscaloosa. He was Nick Saban's offensive coordinator at Alabama before getting the Colorado State head coaching job. McElwain on the offensive side of the football last year, his squad averaged 24.8 points per game. 367 yards of total offense. Pretty good ground team. They use their quarterback pretty well, running the football 159 yards per game and 208 passing yards per contest. It looks like Jace Bauer is the guy to be their starting quarterback, although they have another quarterback in Burt Emanuel that played a lot last year. Bauer, the 6'3 signal caller. Started to see some action last year. Completed 35 of 59 attempts for 312 yards and four touchdowns. Bauer is a running threat. He scampered 355 yards on 53 attempts with four touchdowns in Paul Petrino's offense. Now, of the top eight pass catchers for the Chippewas last year, only one returns. And that was the guy number four on the list, 
Jalen Magahi, 20 catches for 313 yards and two touchdowns. Up front, they need a good offensive line because the Chippewas want to be able to run the football, and they lost two starters from last year, including their all-max center, Jamez Kimbrough. Now, there is hope, actually, that this new offensive line might be better with a new batch of players than the one they put on the field last year. Their leading rusher was Lou Nichols, 658 yards, but he is now gone from the program. So the top returning rusher is the quarterback I mentioned a moment ago, Burt Emanuel. His dad played wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons back in the day. The top returning running back is Marion Lukes, who had 51 carries for 330 yards and three touchdowns. So as you can see, four starters returning on offense, a lot of question marks about that side of the football for Central Michigan. Defensive side of the football, I mentioned they returned nine starters, but they gave up 28.2 points per game last year. 375 yards of total offense. They gave up 153 rushing yards per game and 222 yards through the year. Six times last year, Central Michigan gave up over 30 points to the major programs on their schedule. They gave up 58 to Oklahoma State and 38 to Penn State. Now, they had a defensive end in Thomas Incombe, an all-MAC performer last year with 18.5 tackles for loss. Don't worry, he's gone, and that's going to be a tough replace for the Chippewas. They do return three other defensive line starters, led by a nose tackle, Robbie Stewart, with 6.5 tackles for loss last year, and another defensive tackle, Jox Bristol, who had four sacks from the interior of that Chippewa defensive line. Now, they do return all three of their starting linebackers, including the team's leading tackler, Kyle Moretti, who had 95 tackles last year from his middle linebacker spot. Weak side linebacker, Justin Whiteside, third on the team in tackles with 67, five and a half tackles for loss. Sam Hartman in the passing game, could have some really good success when Central Michigan comes to town. Just a starting corner coming back for the chips. They do have two safeties back, but again, they really struggled stopping the pass last year. And as a unit, giving up 28.2 points per game. And Power 5 schools did a lot of damage against that defense last season. Some betting notes in regard to Notre Dame and Central Michigan. McIlwain at Central Michigan as an away underdog, which they will be coming to South Bend against the spread, very good, 9-4. and four. So McIlwain and the Chips have played the underdog role very well on the road. All-time, counting his other stops in college football as a road dog, McIlwain is 15-14-1. Since 2015, Central Michigan against ranked teams, and we expect Notre Dame to be ranked when the Chippewas come to town, Against ranked teams since 2015, the Chippewas are 1-5 straight up, but 5-1 against the spread against ranked teams. And since 2013, as a road dog in general, Central Michigan 25-13 against the spread, including 3-1 last year and 5-2 in the last two years. So the underdog role on the road has been a good lean for wagers of the Central Michigan Chippewa. So Central Michigan 4-8 and eight last year. Doesn't look like they're going to be ready to take a major step this year. Hopefully a nice cozy victory for the Fighting Irish when Central Michigan comes to Notre Dame Stadium. Because up next, the old Buckeyes 
are coming to town, and we'll take a look at Ohio State on tomorrow's program. 642 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 